You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. episode is with Kate of Domesticated Life, the influencer and author who shares her New England life recipes and more. We talk about how blogging has changed over the years and the exciting things she's been up to. Before we dive in, though, I want to remind you that if you're an influencer, to check out my course for pitching for influencers to learn all about landing your dream collabs. It's called Pitch Peak Profit, and it's available at peakedpr.com. It's where I share my insider knowledge of pitching, setting up collabs, media kits, pricing, and more. You can do it at your own pace, and it's all digital. All right, so why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Yeah. um, Hi, I'm Kate. Um, I'm the founder of the lifestyle blog, Domesticated Life. Um, I live on Boston's South Shore in a cute little coastal town um, with my husband and daughter. And um, I I guess I'm a lifestyle blogger. I'm, I'm old school. I still call myself a blogger. I hate that term influencer. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I share recipes, entertaining ideas, DIY and home projects all on my various platforms. And then I do a lot of recipe development for brands and magazines and have a cookbook. Oh, that's awesome. I just love following along with you. Oh, thank you. So tell me a little bit about growing up. Like, were you always helping your parents cook or like setting the table? Were you like crafty and DIY? Like, or did that come later? Yes, I definitely was like that as a kid. Um, we like to say in my family that the cooking skips a generation. <laughs> my <laughs> mom doesn't love cooking, um, but I grew up down the street from my grandmother. Uh, so I had like the classic Italian grandmother um, teaching me how to cook growing up um, and was definitely very crafty and into entertaining. Um, I went to like sewing camp when I was a kid. So I've been like a crafting nerd for as long as I can remember. <laughs> Um, and I definitely like in elementary school, I would help my mom do like fun themed birthday parties for my siblings. And, um, in high school, like I was a crazy person and hosted like clam bakes for my high school. Oh my gosh. Um, so I've always loved doing it. Um, and then I think, you know, in college and as I sort of like, you know, had my own apartment and my own space, um, I definitely just like delved into it even deeper, um, and have always loved doing it. That's so fun. I definitely like the clam bakes next level, but I would always have like dinner parties in high school, which is like so bizarre now that I think about it. Um, But I am not a cook, so I so admire that about you. I wish I was because I feel like I love and have every other aspect to entertaining except the cooking. I just, it's so hard for me. (laughs) You can make like takeout look very festive. One of my best parties I ever had was when I was like nine months pregnant. And I was convinced I was going to do a whole like nine course New Year's Eve dinner party. And like the day before the event, I was like, I can't do this. I'm like so physically (laughs) exhausted. I really, you know, underestimated how I would feel at this point. And we got takeout from like a local Italian restaurant. And it was one of my most like memorable parties ever. So you don't always have to be a good cook to entertain. Exactly. No, I love that. We're having a Christmas party in a few weeks and I've already ordered the catering, like Italian too. So (laughs) that's so funny. 
So tell me a little bit about like where and what did you end up studying when it came time for college? Did you end up going into anything related to this or something completely different? Um, you know, I guess it's it's sort of adjacent. Um, yeah, I went to Northeastern University in Boston and I studied communications. Um, but like I'm old enough that social media as a business was not really on anyone's radar when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Like I think I took one class about, you know, digital media and it was it was like not anything near what we're doing today. Um, yeah. You know, like Facebook was just for college kids when I was in college. Uh, Instagram didn't exist. So, you know, it's interesting. I think I learned a lot of, um, you know, things about writing and communication that are really helpful to what I do today. But, um, you know, I kind of came into the social media space in, you know, at the beginning. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I started my blog uh, 12 years ago. It'll be 13 years this winter. Wow. So, so, yeah. So Instagram didn't exist like when I first started my blog, which is kind of crazy. Um, but so, yeah, I definitely apply some of the things that I learned in college, but I think I'm more of the homegrown, like learn as you go kind of person mm-hmm. when it came to the social media blogosphere. And no, definitely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit then about your first career. Like once you have this degree, like when, what did you do next with basically your degree? And then like, when did the blogging coming to that? Yeah, so I, I definitely had sort of like a, a winding career path. I've worked in a lot of different um, sort of communications, marketings, marketing digital media fields. Um, right out of college, I worked at a market research firm um, okay. where I was helping like really large companies with their email marketing strategies, um, which was a really valuable experience. I had an amazing mentor um, at the company I worked at who really taught me how to like write with confidence. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that wasn't what I ended up doing long term, but I, I feel like all of the jobs kind of along the way gave me something that got me to where I am now. Um, yeah. A lot of really valuable experiences I had. So, um, so after the market research firm, I went to a small social media agency and ran social media for like a really big range of clients. I worked with like a bakery. <laughs> I worked <laughs> with like big pharmaceutical companies. Um, oh, wow. But it was cool. It was like the Wild West. It was right when Facebook advertising was really growing. Um, So it was a cool experience because every week I was like learning something new. We were testing new things. Um, That was a cool job. And then after that, I moved to like a totally different experience of being at a small, like hip social media agency to working for um, Liberty Mutual Insurance. Um, And I worked there for several years. Um, I was on like one of the founding members of their first social media team there and actually ran their corporate blog. Um, So was Limu the Emu still popular then? No, Limu the Emu. (laughs) um, Limu the Emu came up, I think, after I after I left. But um, my dogs like hate him, the commercial. (laughs) So that whenever when you said that, I was like, oh, God, the Emu. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was another like a really cool experience, Um, you know, not like a flashy, cool job in the sense of like working at a social media agency. But um, I learned so much that was really valuable there about like writing contracts and reading contracts that I do all the time for my business. And um, really a lot of like the corporate stuff that I think I can apply to being a business owner now that was so invaluable to learn there. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. I think it's cool when people like look back and in the time you probably were like, what am I doing at this insurance company? But then looking back, you're like, oh, all these things were valuable and like steps to where I am today now that I use. 
Yeah, exactly. It was not, it wasn't like my passion writing about insurance, but I got a lot of really great experience there that I definitely applied to my business today. So, um, so after that, my next job was I worked for a women's um, clothing company, like a, a fashion brand and did like soup to nuts, all their digital marketing and content creation. Um, and then I got pregnant with my daughter um, and like the maternity leave situation was very sticky. Um, so that was when I kind of took the leap to grow my own business and do my blog full time. Um, but I started my blog during my first job. So um, okay. it's kind of been like the thread in the background uh, <laughs> through all of those various careers. And now, now it is my career. Now it's my full time job. Wow. So that's awesome that you started so long ago. Like, how would you say that the industry has changed then over the years? Like, what's the biggest thing you notice? Obviously, there's tons of things that are different, but. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, it's so wild. So when I first started out, um, like, I was obsessed with, like, the old school classics, like Design Spun and Apartment Therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I really I started it as like a creative outlet. Um, I had the, my first job that I had, there was a lot of downtime. So I admittedly worked on it <laughs> and kind of like my lunch break and in, in the fringe hours. Um, and so personally, like how it's changed over the years for me is my content has definitely evolved a lot. Um, it started out as more of like a home decor, um, site when I had my first apartment, but the food and entertaining has really been, and DIY too, has really been like a constant thread throughout the years. Um, but yeah, the, the whole world has changed so much since I first started. Um, you know, when I first launched my blog, Instagram did not exist. I, I went to an event um, a couple months ago that was like a press event. And I was telling these like young influencers that I started my blog before Instagram existed. And they were like, how did you get people to go to your website? Like, how did you do content? Like, how does this, how did this happen? Um, so we used to do like Twitter parties with brands and everyone would like sign on at eight o'clock and talk about Home Depot's holiday decor at the same time on Twitter and share your blog links. Like it sounds, I sound like a dinosaur even saying that. Um, so, so it's crazy. Yeah. I think being in the industry for a long time has definitely given me some good perspective about kind of like platforms come and go. Um, there was a while where like, remember Vine? Like I was doing Vines for my yes. book and now that's gone. So I think it's helpful. I think it's easy to really get caught up in sort of like the Instagram vortex as being the most mm -hmm. important thing. Um, but, you know, having been in the industry for a long time, things come and go. So I think it's really important to diversify and kind of have your content across lots of platforms um, and always focus on having sort of your, your own platforms. You know, Instagram could change in a minute. And yeah. it, it does. It changes every minute. Like I sometimes yeah. I can't even believe I can keep up with it. Um, <laughs> so I think the constant will always be like having my blog and something I've really invested in over the past year is building my email newsletter um, and kind of having a place where my audience can always find me no matter how much the the networks ebb and flow of where people are <laughs> spending their Definitely. time. No, that's such good advice. I always tell influencers that like you have to have your own site and your own platform that people go to. So that's smart. So are you on TikTok these days though? <laughs> Not on TikTok. So like, no. I guess maybe like I'm almost ready for like the blogger retirement home because <laughs> I, yeah, I, I struggle with video. I will admit that. Um, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I, I think part of it is like I, when I first started blogging and, and over the past several years, I've always been very, um, 
like my content has been always very focused, not on me. It's been on the results. So like the Mm -hmm. the dish or the the table or the project. Um, And I've kind of always tried to remain like a little bit in the background of it. And I think today, um, Instagram and TikTok and, you know, a lot of this like video content is very, um, it really rewards people that put the, put their face out there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is hard because it's not something that I am totally comfortable with. I like to have that kind of like a little bit of a balance of not giving all of myself to my mm-hmm. internet community. Um, I find the whole like talking into the Instagram stories, like talking to your phone, I, I find that so uncomfortable. <laughs> I really yeah. don't that. Um, but I think, I think at the end of the day, I always just try to think about like what's – that's not authentic for me to do that. Like I would feel yeah. really uncomfortable doing that. Um, so – I just, I don't do it. I do what makes me comfortable and I do the best I can kind of within the parameters of what, what I want to put out there and what I want to keep and preserve for myself. No, that makes total sense. And I mean, with me, it's, it's like a perfection thing. I think the videos, I don't know, it's so hard to make them perfect, if that makes sense. And that's what drives me crazy. And so then it's like, it takes all this time and it's still not perfect. So then at that point, I don't want to do it. Yes, I'm a I'm a total like Capricorn. I am a yeah. Oh, I'm a Capricorn too. So that makes sense. There you go. Yeah, like I'm a perfectionist, and um, yeah, I have a hard time not being like the best at stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I'm also just not super silly. I feel like a lot of the TikToks and videos, it's more like dancing or making a joke or like making people laugh, and that's just not me. <laughs> so yeah. I, it's I, hard. I, I think one of my challenges with, I think, the rise in this in video content, particularly, I think, how it represents on Instagram, is there's a lot of um, folks who are kind of like doing the same thing and just doing a little tiny riff on it. Yeah. And, and I think something I've always been really passionate about is kind of stepping away from what everyone else is doing. Like, there was a period of time where everyone had like the white shiplap walls and everything was like very yeah. clean and Scandinavian looking. And I, I kept true to my sort of bold colors and busy feed um, that, that doesn't look like a lot of other bloggers um, and, and Instagrammers. So that's something that I think is always kind of like in the back of my mind is that's not me to do like the cheesy dance moves. It's, yeah. it's not authentic to me. And that's, I think, why I'm kind of okay with saying there's only parts of it that I will participate in um, in order to kind of keep my true like brand voice at the center of what I'm doing. I love that. That makes total sense. And it makes me feel so much better now too, because I I totally see what you mean now. Yeah. It's sort of everyone, there's these videos that go viral and then they recreate it and put a spin on it. So, but staying true to yourself and like, what's you and making different content basically. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm still doing a little bit of brands are asking for it. So, you know, it's an important part of my business, but I think, yeah, the the whole, like the dance thing, like that's just never going to be me. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) Really quick way for me to lose followers. (laughs) All right. So let's talk a little bit more about the blog. Like, how would you describe your blog today then? What would what would you say now? Obviously, you know, you said you started a little bit more with decor and design and now it's more recipe focused, but tell me like what people can find on it today. Yeah, I always I definitely say I fall into sort of the lifestyle category. Mm-hmm. Um I would say the majority of my content is around recipes and entertaining. Um but I also talk a little bit about, you know, life with my family, motherhood, 
um, DIY projects. Uh, the home decor stuff is still sort of in there. I talk a lot about my life. Um, I, I try to make it very organic. Um, but the this real focus is sort of entertaining recipes and kind of my New England life. Yeah, I love that. So in today's world, we mentioned like back in the day, you used Twitter and there were Twitter parties and all of that. But what's your biggest marketing tool today? Like, how do you get the word out there about your your brand, your blog, your book, all of that? What's your biggest tool, you'd say? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think it's definitely Instagram right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a powerful and at the same time frustrating tool. <laughs> um, but I think I think it's interesting. I've started to notice that um, I have different audiences on different channels. So Instagram is definitely my biggest audience and probably where brands want to partner with me the most. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the other uh, social media tools and also like offline tools have been equally helpful for certain parts of my business. So um, Pinterest, for example, is the biggest driver um, of traffic to my website. Um, that's been really, really helpful. I, I use an app called Tailwind. Um, yeah. It's inc- incredibly helpful for, um, you know, getting kind of repurposing my content and making sure it gets in front of the right audience with recipe content. I think that's really helpful. Pinterest is like huge for that. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook is helpful for getting an older audience. Uh, my audience there is, is a to- totally different demographic than my Instagram account. Um, and I mentioned my email marketing kind of strategy. That is my smallest audience, my email list, but I'm seeing the greatest conversions with that audience for things like affiliate sales um, and people kind of like converting with brand partnerships where um, you want someone to kind of click to buy something. So yeah. it's interesting. I think you really, Instagram is such a powerful tool, but I'm, I will still go back and say that I think diversifying and kind of thinking about the right content and right purpose for all of the different social networks and marketing tools is is really important um and i and you know from like the pr world i'm sure you know you probably still think this that like there's still something really really powerful about print um whenever i any sort of project with a magazine um that's published in print i get a huge uptick in followers and engagement um and I think also like credibility for my brand. So I, I see that really impacting brand partnerships as well. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like an orchestra of all these different pieces um, with Instagram absolutely still being a very big focus. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a balance these days. It's a lot. Definitely. I, yeah, there's so many platforms and it's always changing and it's a challenge balancing for sure. So would you say that that's kind of, your greatest challenge when it comes to your business or what, what's the most challenging part of it for you? Um, I think it kind of goes back to that, like kind of always refocusing like who I am and, and staying true to myself in the face of all the noise that happens with social media. Um, I think it's really easy to just do what everyone else is doing to do like the loop giveaways as sort of like a quick fix to grow followers or um, doing like the cheesy viral videos because everyone else is doing it. Um, I feel like I'm constantly met with with that decision of like using these hacks that maybe I'm not totally comfortable with to kind of like claw my way (laughs) to more followers and more engagement. Um, And I think I, I really try to step back and, and ask like, what's the right thing for my audience? What's the right thing for my brand? And also kind of like, Balancing all that with like 
what does this social media world look like and what is the real world like? Like I yeah. don't give a hundred percent of myself to Instagram. Um, that's like advice I always give, you know, new influencers that are kind of trying to make it in the space is Instagram will never love you back. <laughs> so like you kind of, you could give, you could spend 24 hours a day on Instagram trying to make it all work. Um, mm -hmm. but I think, I think you need to kind of like commit to what you're willing to give it. Um, because it's, it's never going to give you probably as much back as you give it. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, so I think for me, that's the challenge is like staying true to myself in the industry that makes it challenging and really like balancing real life and what happens on the, the screen. Definitely. No, it, it's, there's so much going, like, I think bloggers, people, you know, sometimes don't get what we do or, you know, it's kind of this laughable job because you're just taking pictures of yourself. But really, there's so much you need to know. There's so many skills. There's so much balancing. Like there's just and it's constantly changing. It's just I feel like sometimes we don't get enough credit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's like that is probably one of my biggest like internal struggles with uh, the job. And I, I don't want to ever like seem ungrateful for it because it's truly, it's an amazing job. It's creative. Um, it gives me amazing flexibility to be at home with my daughter. Um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like it's incredibly frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you so, want to prove that the industry is an industry, you know? Yes, definitely. So now tell me on the flip side to that, like, what's your greatest success? Would you say like, what's something that you're really proud of or you really love that you get to do? Yeah. So I, I think it's, there's probably two things that I kind of always go back to when I need like a boost of confidence in my mm -hmm. business to think about like how far we've come. Um, definitely writing my cookbook is one of them. And then a few years back, um, my blog won entertaining blog of the year, um, for several magazines, uh, blog awards that they do. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was, those were like, I think both really amazing accomplishments. And I think, What's interesting about them is they were both very like non-digital accomplishments, mm -hmm. um, sort of like the award and the cookbook. I think it goes back to that, like the challenge of having to prove that your this industry is an industry um, is they both gave me like a real sense of legitimacy as like, this is a business, this is a career, like I'm making really good money doing this um, yeah. and kind of like validating myself to the outside world that doesn't totally understand what this whole world is. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a great podcast that I listen to called under the influence with Joe Piazza. Mm -hmm. um, and she talks a lot about this, like that there's a huge financial impact of the influencer and blogger industry on our economy and marketing and how kind of goods are being sold these days, but it's very minimized, like in the mainstream media. Um, it still doesn't have that like legitimacy that other media, um, you know, vehicles have. And I think a lot of it that she talks about is that it's because it's considered like women's work. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing for me is like finding that legitimacy in the career. Um, and I guess kind of, I'm always, I'm always like vocalizing that this is real. Like people deserve yeah. to be paid for this work. Like you were saying, it's an incredibly complex set of skills. It's photography, it's writing, it's styling, it's editing, it's, you know, it's advertising. Um, it's a lot of things wrapped up into one and it's a lot of work. Um, so, so I think that those two things um, for, you know, for better or worse are things that have made me feel very legitimate in the industry and kind of given me the confidence. Mm -hmm. 
No, and that makes total sense. I always so some of my content is obviously clothes, but then the other half I love a good tablescape and entertaining and cocktails. And those take so much work though. Like I dread my photo shoots where we are doing a tablescape or a cocktail because the amount of stuff you have to pull and put away and like it's just a lot and no one realizes that. So I admire like that's the majority of your content, which is just an insane amount of work behind it. Yeah, it's a lot of planning and it's a lot of dishes. That's what no one yes. ever does. The cleanup is the worst. <laughs> exactly. I just had a shoot yesterday and it's like, yeah, I spend just as much time pulling things out and putting away as I do like coming up with the content and writing it. It's so funny. Yeah. That's a, that's so <laughs> let's talk about your book then. So like, how did that come about? Like, talk to me about that journey. Yeah. So, uh, so my cookbook is called New England Invite. Um, it's a cookbook really about like entertaining ideas around the New England season. So every chapter has like a full party menu that aligns with things I love about the New England seasons. Um, and I talked to you about sort of my like, I had some maternity leave drama and I kind of just, I made, finally made the jump to do my blog full time. And a few, like probably like three months after I made that jump, it was sort of like kismet, like it all aligned um, that I, I got connected with um, a publisher Um and I pitched the idea about the book and it, it happened really fast. Like I, I sent them my book proposal and I had a contract like a week later and they yeah. were like, you need to photograph it and have it all done in the next six months. Um, because it, the book was so focused on entertaining um, with the time of year that I kind of pitched the project, they wanted it released right before the holidays um, to be okay. with a gifting experience. So um, I, I think I like blacked out the whole experience. <laughs> I had like almost no childcare um, outside of like my mom coming to stay with us for a few weekends and, you know, my husband helping out and in-laws helping out. But I had like literally a, a baby strapped to my chest, like a four month old baby in a baby Bjorn recipe testing, writing, photo editing. Like I honestly have no idea how I actually did it. So the cookbook itself came out a couple years ago um, and it's, it was, a, it was a really interesting experience. Um, I've had a lot of people come to me and ask for advice since then of sort of like writing a book and how to get started with it. And for me, I think uh, getting the book off the ground came a lot um, from networking. Um, the, the publisher actually came to me and I, I hate to say that because it sounds like it just fell in my lap, but, um, it, but it didn't. It was the experience that I had was that I had kind of networked with uh, through our Boston bloggers organization that I run with another um, blogger and, you know, kind of building my brand and building my audience was what sold the book so fast. Um, so having, having the cookbook idea, I think was really helpful. Having sort of a, a niche market where my cookbook aligned really well to my audience, I think made it an easy pitch um, for the the publisher that I ended up working with, um, mm -hmm. and then also having that audience built in. So to say that there's, you know, 30 to 40,000 people that already are following you as an audience to buy that book was, I think, really, really helpful in being able to pitch that um, to their team. Definitely. Oh, my gosh. So talk to me about compiling the book now. You mentioned it a little, but like, what went into that? Like, how many recipes did you have to develop? Like, how many tables? Like, I can't imagine, and because you had a little one then at this point too, like talk to me about like getting that content in time because you had six months, you said, right? Yeah, it was um, I, it was definitely like a real family effort. We had like uh, our extended family coming over on the weekends to help with dishes and, you know, taste test and eat all the food. Um, it, there's, I think there's about 80 recipes in the book. Wow. Um, 
yeah, so it was it was wild. And the other kind of challenge of it, because I was writing it during six months, was kind of creating a full year of seasonal content in those seasons. So there's yeah. a lot of sort of like fake it till you make it things where <laughs> it looks like Christmas, but it was actually July. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I went like very old school and kind of planning the whole book out. Um, I had a massive wall in our home office with sticky notes that was like every recipe, every chapter, there was a sticky note for the photos. There was a sticky note for like the recipes. And then I would kind of like photograph things and then move them to a different wall to show that I had like completed it. It was very like a beautiful mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was like cooking. The hardest part actually was that I couldn't tell my audience about it until the book was like mm-hmm. done. So yeah. I was doing all this in addition to running my business and creating content for the website. And I'm like the worst secret keeper in the world. So um, kind of keeping that under wraps was a really huge challenge. But Oh my um, gosh. But yeah, I think a, a, in terms of outlining the book, it's really based on the season. So I kind of I developed a menu and a chapter for all these different, you know, like seasonal holiday events, but also, you know, the way that I would entertain during that particular month and season throughout the year. Um, okay. So like, like e- an Easter brunch in the, in the spring section, um, there's a whole like clam bake recipe in the summer section, um, you know, like a fall porch party where people were kind of like hanging outside and raking leaves and having a bourbon punch. Um, so that's kind of how it was organized and, and how I built out the content. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a huge undertaking. That's so cool though. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about collaborations. I feel like anyone who's listening who might be just starting out a blog or um, wanting to be an influencer, that's like a big question. Like, do you have any tips on, you know, partnering with brands or how to do that that you could share with people? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to like the answer to this because I think my greatest successes have come from developing relationships with um, PR firms. Yeah. Um, PR firms and ad agencies that represent the brands um, have been really, I think, pivotal in me growing my business. Um, I think like some really simple advice is that when I first started getting, I think, pitches from PR firms, I answered every email. So if someone sent me something and even if it wasn't totally relevant to what I was working on at the time, I always sent an email that said like, thank you. This isn't a fit for me right now, but maybe we can work together on something else. Um, so, you know, a PR, someone that works in PR that has reached out to me about a, a cat food brand, and that's not something I want to really write about <laughs> on my blog, may also have a client that is, you know, a cheese company. And like, I write a whole series about cheese boards. So I think you know, it kind of goes back to that networking and developing relationships. That's been really, I think, instrumental in growing the my brand partnership part of my business over the years. Um, and then I also- love that though, yeah. like because I have to say, there's so many times where I will send a pitch to an influencer and I don't hear anything back. And I I like your thought process of that though, of just responding back and saying, you know, this isn't a fit, no thank you, but like keep me in mind for other things because I think building that relationship and just like the courtesy of responding is so big. Yeah, I think there's an incredible uh, amount of room for improvement in like professionalism in mm-hmm. this industry. Um, yeah. I think being like, it's very digital, it's very fast. Um, and there's also, I think like a little bit of a sense of like, like anonymity to being an internet person, you yeah. know, um, like, but there's a person behind every one of those emails that you get in your inbox. So 
Um, that's something that I think my, my was really instilled in me from my dad who, um, you know, was a business owner and, you know, he always says like, return the phone call, like answer the email promptly, even if you don't have the answer they're looking for, like, mm-hmm. it's just think a sign of respect. And then again, like builds that relationship long-term. So there are some PR firms that I have been working with, like particularly in the Boston area for a decade. Um, and, and you know, that's a really important part of my business. Like, you know, they get a new client and then I'm the first person they think of because we have that relationship established um, that we've grown and kind of nurtured over the years. So it's kind of like a little bit of an, an old school thought process, but I, I like that. I think building those real relationships is what has helped me be successful in the digital space. Definitely. No, that's great tips. So going off of that then, who would your dream collab be with? I'm sure you've done so many, but like who who do you really want to work with next? Yeah, I've definitely I've definitely hit some like big ones on my list in the past like year or two. I worked with Vineyard Vines and Serena and Lily. Those were both like big wow. dreams. Um I think if we're like looking like pie in the sky, like William Sonoma would be one I would love to work with. Um Target would be one I would love to work with. Um, I also, you know who I'm, I'm a super fan of the brand Chappy Wrap that makes the fleece blankets. I would love to work with them. I love yeah. their product. I think it's so exciting when I get to find a product that I'm already really passionate about. Um, and that's happened a few times this year where, you know, getting to collaborate with a brand that's like, I wear this all the time. Um, you know, this stuff all the time when I'm like cooking. I love that. I definitely think some of the more like lifestyle brands like that make me really excited. Yeah, no, those, I mean, the list of people you've worked with before is insane. So that's so awesome. So since this is the Preppy podcast, I always ask everyone, like, what does Preppy mean to you? How would you describe Preppy? Oh, okay. Um, so I think, like, living where I do in this very, like, coastal New England town, my vision of Preppy is a little less of the whole, like, Lily Pulitzer and, like, bows and gingham. And it's a little more about kind of, like, operating outside of the trends. Um, you know, like it's classic, it's polished, but a little bit fun. Um, and I love that sort of like salty, rugged, old school feeling to what I think is prep, you know, like the LL Bean boots that have been loved and, and worn for many years. Um, kind of how I think about prep. No, I love that. I feel like there is kind of a northern, like southern, different versions of prep. So (laughs) yeah, I would say I'm very New England prep. We're ready for the elements. Yes. <laughs> Stylish way. <laughs> I love that. So now since we're in the holiday season, I have a few like short answer holiday related questions for you. Okay. So what is your favorite holiday tradition? Is there something you guys do every year that you look forward to? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of my favorite holiday traditions are around food, which may be <laughs> surprising. <laughs> I think there's so much nostalgia in family recipes. Um, so there's a lot of that. But I think a tradition I'm really excited for now, um, my daughter's, she'll be five soon, is when I was a kid, we used to go into New York City um, to see the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center and go see the Rock Cats perform. And I'm so excited to get to pass that tradition on to her. Um, I just love the sort of like, there's this like sparkly, like, magic to Christmas uh, that happens when you like see a little kid, see that big tree or see the Rockettes. Like that makes me so excited for the holiday season, thinking about seeing it through her eyes. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. So are you guys doing that this year? You're going to New York? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to get to do it this year. Um, We did did to do it last year, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're bringing the tradition back. 
Oh, I love that. So what's a great recipe to try for the holidays that people could find in your cookbook or on your blog, like something that, you know, is really festive and fun? Um, One of my favorite recipes in my cookbook that is such a showstopper is there is a mac and cheese baked apple. So you make a really classic, like cheesy, salty mac and cheese, and then you scoop out um, like big red apples and then bake the mac and cheese inside of it. It's so good. It's like a sweet and savory combination and it looks so pretty too. Um, That's one of my favorites. It's always like a really big fun fan favorite when I make it for any sort of holiday entertaining event. Oh my gosh, that sounds delicious. I am looking that up then. (laughs) (laughs) So what's one tip for staying stress-free or organized like during the holiday season when entertaining? I feel like you probably have a lot of good tips and the takeout one's probably one of them, but anything else? Oh yeah, you can definitely dress up takeout if you don't want to cook. Um, I would say I'm like a really big list maker. So mm-hmm. I make like a run of show for the day when I'm hosting a party. Um, I figure out like what time my guests are going to arrive. And then I kind of work backwards from there and outline all the food that needs to be prepped and the cooking times. And then I write in little reminders for things like the table that needs to be set, the things that need to go on the bar, um, you know, what I need to do to like zhuzh up the bathrooms and tidy up. Um, So it kind of helps me like visualize everything that needs to get done. And I think uh, one of my really good tips for that is that I have it like written out on a a list. So then when someone pops in and says like, my husband's like, all right, what else is on the list? Like, what can I help with? I'm like, okay, we need to go like put fresh towels in the downstairs bathroom. Someone needs to go vacuum in the playroom. It It makes it easier, I think, to also delegate and ask for help, which I think is a really important thing when you're entertaining is get the help where you need it. Um, Yeah. I always also, if I'm having a party uh, with like friends, I always try to invite one of my best friends to come a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Um, so having someone that like makes you relaxed and knows your house that can come if you are frazzled, you can be like, okay, you know, put these crackers on the cheese plate while I'm grabbing stuff out of the oven or go fill the ice bucket um, while I go put my lipstick on. Like having someone that is a good teammate to help you during those last minutes before people arrive. I love that idea. I'm going to take that for myself for our holiday party and invite my best friend over a little ahead of time. And then I think it also kind of like starts to set the tone for the party. So when other people arrive, someone's already there that's popped the champagne and is having a cocktail. It kind of, it sets the atmosphere. I think one of my best pieces of advice for entertaining is that guests really take their cue from the hostess. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're relaxed and having fun, like your guests are going to feel relaxed and having fun. If you're frenzied and stressed, I think it's hard for people to feel comfortable and festive. (laughs) So just like take a deep breath. Remember not to take it too seriously. And I think it it also helps to have that sort of like the party starter there, like the friend that's going to already be having a cocktail when the door opens up for the rest of the guests. Um, You know, it makes it I think it makes it a fun experience. And really, that's what it's supposed to be, you know. When you're entertaining, it's about having fun. Yes, I love that. Now, what about a go-to like cocktail or drink recipe for the holidays? Any of those that we can go find in your book or uh, blog that you'd recommend? Yeah, there's a really fun um, bourbon punch. Um, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that before in the cookbook. I like something that you can kind of make in a big batch and prep yeah. um, so that you can have something on your bar that people can self-serve um, as they're coming in and out. Or, um, you know, having like a couple bottles like Prosecco and some fun mix-ins, like some sugared cranberries or some different simple syrups. Um, Anything with like a fruit and herb combination makes a really good simple syrup. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at my blog, I actually have a couple of new cocktail recipes with shrubs, which Ooh. are really um, nice. You can make those in advance. Um, you kind of like a couple days before it's usually equal parts like sugar, um, vinegar, and then some sort of like fruit component. Um, and that's a really fun thing to mix into a, a cocktail. That's like a, a nice balanced thing that you can put on top of a, a bubbly glass of Prosecco. Um, so that's, those are some ideas. I like that because then the guests are kind of getting involved and it's like fun for them too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think any way that you can get people to participate when you're entertaining is actually really fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's this very like old school, like 1950s hostess idea of everything needs to be like plated and taken care of and cooked behind the doors. Um, I think some of my best like hostess experiences have been where everyone's involved. You know, people are helping make the pizzas or, um, you know, we're doing like a clam bake and everyone's kind of around the clam bake pot helping put stuff in. Like, I think that's a really fun way um, to entertain is to get people involved and have them feel like they're participating in the kind of the fun experience of eating and celebrating together. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, how are you setting the table this holiday season? Like, do you have like a color scheme or anything like that going yet? Yeah, you know, I I mentioned this before, but I really love bold, bright colors. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a really beautiful red and white striped tablecloth for my table, and I love to use um, velvet ribbon uh, mm-hmm. around my napkins. It's like a really fun little detail, and you can find like any color you could possibly think of on Amazon or Etsy. Um, so I always have little like hints of vel- green velvet ribbon um, on the table, and then um, I'm trying to be much more eco friendly with my entertaining. So um, this time of year, most flowers are really not in season in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're getting shipped from like halfway around the world. So instead of doing um, floral centerpieces, I have some potted herbs that I have been um, putting down the center of my table. And the nice thing is that, you know, these sort of like wintry herbs like rosemary and thyme and sage, they also smell really beautiful too. So mm-hmm. um, that's like a fun alternative for the table if you're not finding good flowers in your grocery store right now. And I feel like they kind of look like little Christmas trees too sometimes when you find them. Yeah, absolutely. And you yeah, can, yeah you can find little, um, you know, evergreen trees or even like go in your backyard and snip some beautiful branches from if you have like evergreen trees. Um, that's a fun way to kind of like put that in a vase and you could hang little ornaments from it. Um, I, I think that's like a really big thing I'm trying to think about lately is being a little bit more eco-friendly with entertaining and 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 throughout all my content. Um, so something like that, where it's, you know, some found branches from your yard can actually look really beautiful, um, arranged in the right way. Yeah. Now what's one thing on your wish list? Like anything you're hoping for for Christmas? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> the past couple of years, we have kind of pulled back a little bit on adult gifts, mm-hmm. um, in exchange for doing more like experiential things. Um, yeah. I think, I think we just kind of like, we buy ourselves the stuff that we need when we need it. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I, I guess if I'm like thinking really big pie in the sky wish list item, my, uh, my daughter who's almost five has this like current obsession with Paris. Oh. <laughs> She's like completely obsessed with everything Paris, which is like, so cute. It's, rooted, it's rooted in her love for carbohydrates. Like she found <laughs> out that baguettes and croissants come from Paris. And now all she talks about 
how she wants to go to Paris. So I guess my, like my big wish list item would be that once she gets vaccinated, that we could maybe do a trip next year to Paris. That would be my big wish list item. Oh, that would be. You have to do like a Paris themed birthday party for her. You've been talking about it. I think it might be on the radar for us. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. I will be looking forward to those pictures. <laughs> So what's next for you? Like anything you're working on, any sneak peeks you can share of what people can look forward to, whether it's, you know, some cool new recipes or a fun collaboration, anything on the horizon? I have a couple of really fun collaborations with some brands coming up the holiday season. Um, A couple of small brands um, and an entertaining uh, goods company um, where I kind of helped design the products, which is always really exciting. That's something that like gets my creative juices flowing and I get so excited about that. So uh, a couple of those will be launching in the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. And then um, into next year, I think my realization is that my blog is becoming a teenager. (laughs) Um, We're going to be 13 this year. So I think really kind of like at a turning point where I need to figure out where I want to take things next. Um, I've thrown around a couple ideas about maybe opening a shop or doing oh. some work um, more like consulting to help small businesses um, style their content. So I'm kind of like in an exploration phase right now of figuring out where it's going to go next. But I think I'm my my daughter's going to go to kindergarten next year. And I feel like I'm it's opening up a whole world of the next chapter with a little bit more time and kind of the next the next phase of domesticated life. That's so fun. I'm so excited for you. So my last question is, where can people find you? For the listeners, like let them know your blog, where they can find your book, your social media handle, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my cookbook is New England Invite. You can find it wherever books are sold. Um, And you can find me on Instagram at Domesticate blog. So it's like Domesticate with a Kate with a K in the middle. And then my website is DomesticatedLife.com. Well, thank you so much, Kate. This was so fun. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a really happy holiday season. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 